0: most companies cannot answer those questions and so that helps you say okay then our next step is to invest in researching the answers for those questions so having a framework where you can have a shared language and you can talk to your team and collaborate to your team about what do we know and what is it that we don't know and what we need to do next is extremely powerful
1: Hello, welcome to the episode 21 of the Bell Coyote podcast. IoT everything with me, Sai Prakash Bilkeri. In this episode 21, uh, we have a little dif- different topic, uh, which is the core of ev- you know any product uh, or a project, f- for that matter. Now. Uh, what we are going to talk in this uh, episode is the whole uh, the, the whole crux of IoT product management or project management for that matter. We'll understand the differences between that. Uh, to explain those differences and why exactly is uh, IoT product management or project management different from any other thing, we have today our guest, who is Daniel Elizalde, uh, who is an uh, uh, instructor at Stanford uh, University and also he is uh, the vice president of... Uh, uh, of different things, uh, managing different things at Ericsson, which is doing uh, definitely a great job in IoT vertical. So welcome, Daniel. Thanks for your time today. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you today. with
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Great. So why don't you first start by introducing more about yourself to my audience? Like, who Daniel Elizalde is exactly for IoT because uh, whenever we listen to the word IoT, we also say you know synonymously listen to the word uh, Daniel Elizalde because you have been
0: contributing a lot to this space. So can you please explain about yourself? Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Um, so I, uh, my name is Daniel. I I grew up in in Mexico City and then I moved to the US uh, after college. Uh, my background is on electronics engineering, mm-hmm. so it's a combination of software and hardware. So from Early on, I already had some inclination towards this uh, IoT types of solutions. And my my first job out of college was at an automation company called National Instruments uh, here in Austin, Texas. And so I started working on uh, manufacturing automation. And back then, we were connecting sensors and getting data out of the manufacturing line to do analytics and reporting and give insights. And at that time, we didn't call it. IOT, but that's what we were doing. So from the very beginning, I had that exposure and that opportunity to to work on that field. Um, as my career evolved, I wanted to work more on the strategy and, and the product side of things. So I moved from engineering into product management. And throughout my career, I had the opportunity to work in in many companies, anywhere from startups to large corporations. Always involved in innovation in what's going to be the next line of products and a lot of my experience has been in IoT. Um one of the experiences that helped me craft my uh my focus on IoT that I have today is when I moved to Silicon Valley and I was working as head of products for a company called Stem, which is a uh company doing energy storage solutions and what the company was doing there was fully an IoT solution we had uh, energy storage hardware, and we have com- local controllers and edge, and we have AI, and we have connectivity and networks and front end applications. Um, it's just we didn't think about it as IoT. And so as a need for me uh, as the, the head of products to f- better communicate what we were doing internally and externally, I started to create some of these frameworks on how do you think about IoT from a business perspective, not necessarily from a engineering perspective. Um, Those frameworks, I I published them on my podcast, on my blog, and they became, um, well accepted uh, to the point that I started teaching at Stanford University. And I taught there for four years, and, um, I was teaching to, uh, usually senior managers and executives in Silicon Valley. So I got the opportunity to interact with a lot of, of different people in, in the industry that are working on IoT. Um, my next step, I moved, uh, back to, a big company and I started working at Ericsson um at Ericsson uh, I was uh, vice president head of IoT for North America leading the innovation efforts in Silicon Valley um and I did that for a couple of years and now a few months ago I moved back to Austin Texas where I'm uh I decided to go back to being an independent coach and consultant so I work with uh, product executives to help them figure out their strategy to go from idea to a commercialized product and I work on both SaaS products and IOT products, because from my perspective, uh, IOT is just a tool that you're going to use. It's more important to figure out what problem you're going to solve and what strategy you're going to use to take you there. And, um, that has been my journey. And, and, and I love what I do. I love the teaching and the sharing. And, um, I also have a podcast today, the enterprise product leadership podcast, where just like yourself, uh, you know, interview, uh, interesting folks and, and share the knowledge so that we can all grow together
1: well i must say you know you your podcast has been one of my uh you know uh go-to place uh apart from stacy's podcast stacy in podcast i also <laughs> had stacy Ginwatham on my uh, podcast earlier and she's also an amazing person in this field uh so.
0: Yeah, she's great. She's great. She's actually here in Austin. Um, and I was in her podcast, uh, some time ago. She, she's great. Yes, I heard
1: that too. You guys are really inspirational. You know, I have just started out my, uh, venture, uh, my career and, uh, you know, I've been working into IOT since last two years, uh, more of, uh, inclined towards, uh, the, the industrial IOT side and uh, not exactly working on home uh, you know smart home related products or something but that's also a emerging space i believe so what exactly also you mentioned about uh, national instruments uh, uh, you know I, I when i was in college i was uh, i took up this CLAD certification and i got certified then it 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 oh, that's out, great yeah <laughs> so it is also a great space because uh, the the amount of the, the the instruments and also the software The LabVIEW software is very robust. I I must Mm -hmm. say, you know, the the kind of uh, technology which National Instruments is providing, not everyone knows about uh, National Instruments, but uh, uh, the people uh, like specifically in the space industry and also in manufacturing industries where they use this thing and they are hugely robust. And I was fortunate. Yeah, they are great. Yeah. And that's a great place to start also. Uh, you know, yeah, it was
0: it was a great place, and and I was very fortunate to be working in a in a solutions team that was in the middle of engineering and um, sales and marketing. So I got to see the whole process uh-huh. and working on some of the newer technologies. Uh, for example, I was in the first team that was launching the Compact Rio platform, cool. um, and I was also the part of the test team, which is the the testing automation software. I was part of the the early people there. Um, so it's, uh, you mentioned the LabVIEW certification. Um, there's also a test and certification. Um, yeah, yeah. And I actually wrote the certification on the exam. So wow. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny how this goes around, but national instruments has incredible technology. Uh, in my opinion, is some of the most robust hardware. If you think about it from an IOT perspective, it's some of the best hard- hardware out there. Um, so.
1: Yeah, a lot of people refer to Raspberry Pis and all. But, uh, you know, when they look at uh, MyDAC or MyRio, then they get to know actual standards. So they are really very robust. So, you know, I see see that you, as you said, you have, uh, you know, you were into technology, you had, you you have done engineering work, the actual hardcore engineering work. And then you also shifted to, you know, being into strategist and, you know, uh, the managerial role so what exactly mm-hmm. how did exactly that help in being a manager for, uh, or uh, iot
0: product manager for that matter it really helps a lot because being in a leadership position it's all about uh, conveying a, a vision to your teams and working together to figure out what are the next steps right the the manager never has the answers but you have to align your multiple teams in order Mm. to figure out what's next and whether you need to do more uh, user research or you need to do more prototyping or you need to do more partnership of different types. And so the more you are familiar with the language of all the different people that you need to talk to, the more trust you will build. And so um, because of, of my career, I've been able to interact with a lot of different groups. So I'm I feel very comfortable talking to executives or to sales folks or to marketing folks and because my background is engineering I feel very at ease talking to engineers for hardware and software and so as a product leader when you're able to speak their language it it helps um, the relationship because when you are uh, discussing a potential solution or a potential request from a client you know that, you know, this complex solution cannot be built in a couple of days with a couple of keystrokes or like it will take, you know, $5 to buy this board. So the, the engineers get really, uh, annoyed when, when managers don't know what they're talking about in terms of the complexity. Right? so I have the opportunity to work with all these teams and now, you know, work with IOT hardware at Ericsson. I work with a lot of hardcore networking engineers or, uh, AI people. So, It is just a a way to recognize that you can't be the expert on all of it, but the more you're able to speak in the terms and the language and understand the challenges of other people in other teams, the more trust you're going to gain and the more uh, collaboration you will foster.
1: Well, that's really great. And, you know, while you were explaining this thing, you you kind of mentioned a lot of different terminologies. So first, you know, let's go back and to the ground level and understand uh, what are the different verticals in the space of IoT? Because IoT as a term is e- an ecosystem of technologies, as we rightly say. And it is not just another technology, but it is ecosystem of things working together. So what are the different ecosystem in a broadly categorized way?
0: Yeah, so there's the, the that's an interesting thing. Like you said, I like the term ecosystem of technology. So, um, what we considered IoT at a, a highest level is a product or a device or a, a solution that can acquire signals from the real world, mm-hmm. can process those signals, usually send those to a centralized location, usually the edge or the cloud, and then you can mine that for real time insights. And so the connecting those different technologies, the technologies that acquire data from the real world, like sensors, um, the processing uh, at the local, uh, or at edge, you know, like Raspberry Pis and C Rios and those kind of computers, embedded software, AI at the edge, all those help you gather and analyze local data. Then, you know, transmitting the data for remote access to the cloud, let's say, that's the connectivity aspect. So it could be cellular, it could be Wi-Fi, it could be LoRaWAN, One, et cetera. And then you have the cloud and then you have the application. So when you put all those applications together, um, you can build solutions for specific problems. And I think the key here, I, I always say in, in my courses that people don't buy IoT, they buy a solution to a problem. Yeah, The customer doesn't care about this ecosystem of technologies. What they care is, I have a problem with packages being stolen from my from my trucks. How can you help me? Well, mm. we can put sensors to acquire data to track it, to give analytics and to give you a solution. Oh, that's what I want. You call it IoT, oh, I don't care how you call it, right? It's solving my problem. I think it's important to differentiate those those two things, but as a as a leader working within products of that category, being able to articulate the differences is important because it's a way to break down the problem and communicate as opposed to saying umbrella IoT, <laughs> you're saying, "Oh, are we talking about the sensors? Are we talking about the edge compute? Are we talking about the cloud? Let's figure out the problem." Mm-hmm. When you message out of your company, it's more about what problem are we solving? Wow, that's does that I mean. make sense? Is that the a little bit of the direction that you wanted to take?
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And you know because you know from th- that's great from a from a customer standpoint, but. From a technical pers- uh, person, like today, I am you know right out of college. I- I've completed my graduation. I'm start standing out of my college, and uh, you know some seven years down the line, I want to be uh, another Daniel Elizalde. How can I be? Or uh, what what are the different things that I need to know must for must? And uh, is it required that we know everything in IoT? Because know this this vertical as you were just mentioning the terminologies it is kind of overwhelming for any person even if he's from Mm -hmm. technical background Mm -hmm. because there are multiple things and we also have to dive deeper into each thing so how do we manage this thing and how do we become a product manager
0: yeah that's a really good question and uh you'll you'll be another daniel in in Two years, believe me you're, you're doing all the right things man congratulations thanks a Out lot th-
1: that's a that's a very you know uh great feedback because uh that's what we keep looking for are we going on the right path yeah yep i think
0: definitely you are and uh, so to answer your question the the idea of iot is can be so overwhelming that you cannot possibly have deep understanding on everything and so If we separate IoT for a second and we talk about the role of product management, the role of product management is to be that interface between the customer and your company to figure out what pain does the customer really have that is strong enough that they are willing to pay for that. And then what are the skills and capabilities of your company and how can you put those two together to provide a new offering? And by offering, I mean products. Or services combined. So always keeping that in mind, then what I recommend is just uh, understand just the basic building blocks that we just mentioned. When I teach my classes online or or at Stanford, I focus on um, the device hardware, the embedded software, the networking communications, the cloud, and the front-end applications, but not from a technical perspective, just from a What is the problem that each one of those components solve? And then what outputs do they produce? And more importantly, how do those teams do their work? And so, but with that mentality, you can continue to evolve your career because the technology is going to continue to change. You know, when I was working at National Instruments, we didn't have a lot of artificial intelligence. So I never really interacted with data science teams. Mm. Now... It's it's very prominent in IoT that you have to analyze all that data. And so if you know how the components fit together, you can say, okay, now what is the basis of AI? How does it basically work? Read a couple of books. And then how do data scientists work? What is their process? Oh, okay. Now I understand how that works. And I can take a step back and say, how does that new component that I just learned enough to communicate with that team help me to put together my solution for my customer. So the focus of a product manager is focus on the customer and just know enough of the technology so that you can be conversant. And the best advice I can always give you is if you want to learn AI, invite an AI engineer to lunch. And, you know, it's like you can't be an expert in all, but if you have the relationships with people who are, then you can bring them along and together you can go on the journey.
1: Like if you want to be a product manager, then invite Daniel Lillizade. That's what
0: I'm doing. There you go, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and you know, I'll be happy to tell you all the mistakes that I've made. And actually, they're all in my podcast. And uh, uh, and it's just little by little. I think the the key here to transition from engineering to product, and that has been my experience. Um, the the product role is about falling in love with the problem the customer has, and then mm. figure out how to solve it. Sometimes the way you solve it is with technology, but sometimes is with a service. Sometimes is with business model innovation. Maybe you do a different type of monetization or maybe it's a positioning problem, right? so you, you work in all those environments to understand how do you solve the problem? The focus is in the problem, the technology is just a tool. And 20 years from now, the technology that, that will be around it would be unrecognizable for most of us, right? Like the stuff that I learned in school, they don't even make it anymore, right? Yep. And that doesn't mean I I can't be conversant with the engineers of today. Right? It's just keeping the focus on the customer and just knowing enough.
1: Yeah, that's that's very well put. So you know, if if I can ask few, as you were mentioning that I made I committed a lot of mistakes in this uh, journey, if I, I can ask. Three major mistakes that you still, uh, you know, feel that uh, you still feel grateful about, which thank God that I did these mistakes. That's why I learned this major value lessons for IoT product management or any, you know, uh, for for a leadership position. Uh, what would be there? Any three lessons? Yeah,
0: Ooh, three. That's gonna be hard to pick three from all the <laughs> library of mistakes. Um, uh, I think one of them is. Uh, Earlier in my career, when I was just starting as a product manager, I I built a product that really nobody wanted. Right, and and long story short, uh, that's part of what I'm writing in my new book. Um, by by just taking an idea and and thinking that that idea is going to be well received, and then just building a product around that and launching it, and nobody bought it. Right, so. Mm. Unfortunately, that is very, very common um, in the business world today. About 70% of products fail every year. And it's usually because you know, they were built with nobody wanting them. So I've, I've been guilty of that. And I've devoted my career to learn what could have done differently. Mm. Um, I think another mistake that uh, I, I think is very important, especially for people going from uh, engineering to management, is understanding that as a leader, you don't have the answers. Uh, You are responsible for making sure that you bring people together and then make decisions with information you have and move forward. Because I think that uh, as a younger manager, I would have thought people are looking to me for the answer and you don't have all the answers and you get paralyzed or you make bad decisions. In reality, leadership is about knowing who to bring in Having a clear vision of where you want to go and then having the ability to facilitate all these people to go in that direction. So very early on building those relationships and, and understanding your role as a leader would have saved me a lot of uh, heartache. Um, and then I think other, other big mistakes that I, that I've made, uh, one is understanding where your skills and abilities are best used and recognizing that sometimes if you're having too much trouble with a particular company, let's say, because they work in one way and you want to work in a different way, um, sometimes it's useless to just try to fight that and, and try to change a company, right? You're better off just taking your control of your own career and going to a different company that values what you offer a lot more. Um, And this is very common for product people. And if you want to be a product-led professional, some companies work like that. Some other companies are sales-driven or they are engineering-driven. And so if you're a product person in an engineering-driven company, you're going to have a terrible time and the company is not going to change. So recognizing those things quickly so that you can make decisions in your career quickly, I think it's very important. I I think I would have wasted a lot less time. But... You learn a lot and you have all the scars to show it, right? Wow. So these three lessons are really valuable. One is you you know,
1: you understand what your exact skill set are and move towards that way. Uh you know, exactly manage what pe- what people are good at, which role and you know, accordingly build good relationships. And third one is that's where my next question was that, you know, uh you know, understanding which company how they do and accordingly according to your values you know try to match up with those kind of companies and mm-hmm. you know you slightly also touched upon uh, a word called product management and project management how are they different uh, like you know we, we often see that people inter- interchangeably use these words so are they different mm-hmm. in the first place if
0: yes how yeah that's a great question and and that's a eternal eternal battle right so they are two different disciplines. Um, I actually started my career as a project manager mm-hmm. and then I moved into product management. Um, product management it's about um, strategy and about understanding the customer pain and building solutions to solve that pain or orchestrating teams to solve that solution. Now project management is is more of a um, tactical uh, execution role. So given the plans and given the direction, this person will actually make sure that the teams execute. Um, what I've seen in my career, at least, is that the project manager is responsible for making sure that what was decided gets executed mm. The product manager, it's involved in what gets decided. Two very different things. Now, a product manager needs to have good project skills, because project skills, it's about getting things done. It's about organizing people. It's about getting deliverables and meeting deadlines. So even though your deliverable is not tangible per se, it's it's strategy, it's alignment, it's roadmap elements. So you need to know how to rally people hmm. to make sure you meet your your deadline, right? Some of the best product managers come from project because they know how to get things done and they're just not like thinking about how the world could be and they never get any output right
1: okay so product managers are basically the one who have technical skills plus also this flavor of uh,
0: uh, you know managing things and all and business business focus in order to provide uh, a business outcome right wow now of course there's going to be a lot of project managers that are going to listen to this and say we do all that yes it's true right but it's it's blurry and and uh, I think the most important thing is to understand what is the your role at a specific company. So, for example, Microsoft, which has some incredible products in IoT and, and others, um, they don't have product managers. They call them program managers, right? So, which is a program is a combination of projects. Um, and that's how they call it. The, the role that they do is more of a product role, but they just call it program managers. So, the name... You know, some in other places they call them um, based on agile. They're like product owners and there's a lot of fights between, you know, what's a product owner, what's a product manager, blah, 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 right? Um, in other places, the person that is doing the product work could be a CTO. So it's a technical person, but it's doing the work of understanding the customer and providing the direction for the product. Right? Mm. So I think it's it, to not get hung up on titles um like at ericsson my role was uh head of iot but it was a product leader in innovation role right so it's more about what is it that you're going to be doing in that company um and then is that what you want to be doing there right wow yeah
1: so before we jump into you know we we were talking a lot of about uh, managerial side things now i'll jump into that thing but before that one quick question which i keep asking a lot of people from you know, top leadership positions is that do you really consider this uh, certifications like PMP and all these things? Do they really matter uh, if a person is uh, still capable?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, I, I might be a little bit um, uh, biased because I have my online course, which is an IoT product management certification. And it's not really a certification, is that you get a certificate, right? Um, but I'll, I'll tell you the truth um, from a leader's perspective, when you open a rec for hiring people, mm-hmm. usually if you're in a well-known company, you're going to get hundreds, if not thousands of resumes. Right? Mm-hmm. So you really don't know how good somebody is until you're interviewing them and you actually start working with them. The certifications, the only thing they do, in my opinion, is tell the hiring managers that this person has been disciplined enough and diligent enough to read those books so it's a it's a checkmark, right? It's a, at least with this person, I don't have to start from the ground. They have this knowledge, and somebody else said or certifies that they learn that. Now, how good are they at that? How good as a, a you know a performer they are? Nobody knows, but at least it has some checkpoints, right? And if there are some um, people that you trust that, or you've taken some of those courses and they're good enough, it's like okay, this person took this and this course. Okay. I'll, I'll put him in a different priority pile, right? Mm. Other than that, it, it really doesn't help that much, right? So it's, it's just a door opener. You still, if you get then the opportunity to show more, that's, you still have to show that you're the best candidate. Mm. Um, it's just a door opener. So I, I think it's important to, uh, one, make sure that you, get as much knowledge as you can on the areas that you're interested in. But I think from a job perspective, the most important thing is build relationships with managers in the companies that you're interested in. So when an opening comes, they will think side because, oh man, he really knows his stuff, right? I know him or I have a relationship with him. Let's invite him to interview. Whether you have certifications or not doesn't matter. Right? So I think that, yes, you can take certifications at nauseum, or you can spend time building relationships with leaders in companies, and that's going to open hundred times more doors for you.
1: Wow. Yeah, I I strongly agree with that because uh, networking is one of the major things that a lot of people miss out on and have a kind of, you know, negative biased thing for that. They feel that, you know, you know you're just getting to know people and you're getting getting through the way but that's that that doesn't how how it works because you know it's humongous amount of people out there and you got to make your identity so
0: i yep and 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 that goes to say i mean i think you're doing a fantastic job because uh, having a podcast and putting yourself out there and reaching out to uh people in in companies that you're interested in or leaders that you follow and being able to connect with them um it's great. It's a great opportunity for everybody. And you're doing it in a way that often offers value to the other person as well, right? Because it's very different to say, I get a lot of requests on LinkedIn. Then it's like, hey, can I have half an hour of your time so you can look at my resume? It's like, why should I? Right? Yeah. But, you know, somebody saying, hey, I-, I like your work. I have a podcast. Can I interview you? it's a very different dynamic and i've seen your podcast and, and you have a lot of very influential people in your podcast and that's a testament of you know your your diligence and your personality but also your outreach on giving something valuable to to others and and having these great conversations right
1: that's a that's a you know
0: major feedback or
1: appreciation i consider because uh, you know as you said from the leader i follow uh, getting this word for me is, you know, this really made my day. Actually, thanks a lot for that. And thank you, yeah. thank you. Uh, so diving deeper into the technical things, uh, you mm-hmm. have built some frameworks around, you know, IoT product management. Uh, can you explain what they are and why was what was the need for them in the first place, and what are they? If you can slightly elaborate on that.
0: Yes. So. The framework that I teach uh, with my clients and, and my classes, um, I call it the IOT decision framework, um, and it's it's in my blog and I can send you a link if you want to include it in the show notes. Sure. Um, the The way to look at the framework, uh, if you're looking at it and you'll see the diagram on it, it's like a matrix. Mm. and so on the rows, sorry on the on the columns on top, you have the five layers of the IOT technology stack, so that are the most common layers right? which we talked before about uh, device hardware, device software, communications uh, cloud, and applications okay and so those are the yeah. areas that every product will have, and then on the columns on the on the y axis, so to speak, I have the different areas where leaders need to make decisions, and those areas are user experience, data, business, technology, security, and regulations mm-hmm. and so if you think about those as a matrix, then you can start walking this diagram and saying, okay, let's talk about the user experience across the stack. What's the user experience um, at the hardware, at the embedded software, at the cloud, at the applications? Who are those users? What pains do they have? How can we get to know them? If you go to the data decision area, you know what data is going to be generated by the hardware? What data is going to be stored and processed by... The edge layer, what data we're gonna send through the network link, what data we're gonna press to through the cloud, etc. And so you can go through the whole framework. And again, the blog in my in my in my website describes it. The need for a framework like this is to align multiple people into what the heck you're doing with IoT. Mm. Because it can be very confusing. And so it's a lot easier if you say, okay instead of just hand-waving and saying, we're doing IoT, whatever that means, say, no, here are the different layers of our product. And we're talking about business models today. And we're going to specifically talk about um, the cost of uh, transmission on the network link. And that is, you know, the intersection of the communications uh, column and the business row. Right? And so it's very easy for people to know, oh, okay, that's what we're talking about. That's what you've been referring to, and So it just enables the conversation. And as a leader and a facilitator, when executives are in the room or engineers are in the room, you need to show them what you're talking about quickly. So by me creating this framework, it's a way to say, okay, we are here and we need to do this. And it helps you create all these questions, right? Like for example, who is our user uh, at the application level? That's just one of the intersections of the diagram. Most companies cannot answer those questions. And so that helps you say, okay, then our next step is to invest in researching the answers for those questions. Mm. So having a framework where you can have a shared language and you can talk to your team and collaborate to your team about what do we know and what is it that we don't know and what do we need to do next is extremely powerful. So that's a, the that's a genesis of I, it. I created it out of my own necessity to work with my teams. And um, then I created it into a course and I've taught it to over 1,500 people around the world. So uh, it, it's been an interesting journey to see how when people see a diagram like this, they're like, oh, that's what my CTO has been trying to tell me. Or, oh, that's what my company does. Now I see it. Yeah, so.
1: Well, I must say, you know, this actually helped me also uh, over a path uh, while I was, uh, you know, I, in, initially i wasn't an iot developer i was working as a devops engineer for entity data and that's when i you know uh, uh, i was fortunate to find you you and your podcast at that time and then i saw this uh, that in your in your podcast you were mentioning mentioning about your uh, uh, framework and then i went to your blog and saw that thing and that you know the amount of clarity just looking at that diagram that gave was you know really expanding because you know over the course of iot although you know each and every bits and piece of it you you know having that roadmap is really very important or else you just get lost in that way and i really think uh, want to thank you uh, take this opportunity to thank you for that uh, for your w- work that you're putting in so thank
0: you thank you so much uh
1: my next question is around you know uh, the same product framework if you have any stories where you say like you know you you use that framework and uh, You know, earlier things weren't working out, but you applied this framework and then things started uh, falling into place. If you have any story around that, like uh, any use case.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I have a lot because I've used it with uh, all my clients in my private practice and my teams and all the people that I've trained. So um, I can tell you uh, some of the things that I've uh, uh, used the framework for that are particularly impactful, and this is going to sound strange, but I'll explain why this is a good thing. Um, I've actually helped kill several products. And when I was starting with working with some the leaders from some companies, they had this IoT, either they had an idea or they have some early products and they were stuck because they were not uh, having the answers to specifically what market they're serving or how the users are going to be doing it, et cetera, et cetera. And when I engage with them, the first thing I wanted to do is, of course, understand uh, their challenge and their story. But then I wanted to put perspective. And so I explain my framework and I walk them through the framework. And then once they understand the framework, we can go through each of the dots of the framework. And all I do is kind of ask, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And that helped um, this this uh, this company think about. Oh, we're not looking at that. We're not looking at that. And when you get to the business model, oh, well, that's going to be expensive. And if we do it like this, it's going to affect our data strategy this way. And that's going to have legal implications. And by the end of a couple of days workshop, they realize, you know what, this product has no future. So we're, we're better off just killing this initiative and going to the next idea and analyze it for the best. And so. Killing a product like that, it's a big success because understanding where it's going to go, the challenges you're going to face, and stopping it there saves the companies millions of dollars as opposed to trying to figure it out as you go and then spending that money and two years later realizing, oh, this was not going to work from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I have many stories like that, but I'm very proud of the ones. There's been like four or five where I've helped but have executives say, you know what? I think we need to kill it. I think you do. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, that really
1: gives you a great uh, boost uh, saying that, you know, uh, also it saves a lot of time uh, that you were investing in that wrong product. Rather, you, you know, again, brainstorm and uh, look for the right product or even at Mm -hmm. least, you know, correct the course over the time using this framework. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. And, And it also helps you. Like if you are a leader in that company and you're advocating to kill your own product, um, it's, it helps you articulate why and bring everybody along the journey. Mm. So it's not just you coming in and say, this has no future, we're going to kill it. Mm. It's like, hey, here are the things that we're seeing. Do we have answers for this? Why don't we invest the next sprint or the next couple of cycles in figuring out these questions through experiments? And let's agree now that if those things don't turn out positive, we decide to kill the product and save this effort. And so you bring everybody along and they're like, okay, that, that is reasonable, that makes sense. But you need a framework. I'm not saying mine is the only one, but you need a framework to bring everybody along and so that everybody can see the journey. And then you can move forward to make decisions. Because if there's no clarity, shared language, and understanding, then it's impossible to make decisions.
1: Okay, so where can one learn this uh, course from? I mean, where do they reach
0: out? Yeah, it's all on my website. So it's danielelisalde.com. You'll find the blog, the podcast, the online course, everything. Everything is there. So I know my last name spelling is a little bit weird, but uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in the
1: show notes. And uh, who is the course for? Uh, Is it only for the people aspiring for product management or that? Or even, you know, the one who is starting out also?
0: It's a great question. So the course is designed for uh, people that are already product managers and are already working in some sort of IoT situation. It helps them clarify their ideas, gives them this framework so they can be able to articulate what's going on in their world. Um, But I've gotten a lot of feedback that the course is also very useful for people wanting to get into IoT product management, because it shows you, what the job is like, like this are all the things that you're going to have to deal with. So that's useful. And I also had a lot of feedback that people that take the course, then share the course or, or invite other people to join the course from um, design or from engineering or from business development, because you're trying to create that shared language across your company. So if you know the the language and the material, that's good But then it's going to be an uphill battle because you're going to have to train those folks in understanding it's a lot easier if you send them to take a course and in a couple of days now everybody has parity so i've seen a lot of companies do you know what let me train all my main stakeholders um, so that we can all speak the same language and we can go from there wow
1: yeah that's really needed because even i see in a lot of uh, you know at my workplace uh, not exactly this doesn't happen all the time but even uh, when I, you know, kind of uh, advocate for some people for their projects, their personal projects, they tend to have, you know, different terminologies for the same thing and they get confused. So that's very well needed. So now switching back to uh, a little bit uh, around Ericsson, uh, you uh, are VP for D15, uh, the project D15. So
0: what exactly? I, 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 yeah, I was. I was about a few yeah, months ago. Yeah. yeah. So So D15 was a is um i moved on for from that role uh but i can tell you what what it was and what the idea is um so d15 is the innovation lab for um ericsson in silicon valley and so my role there was to drive innovation with iot and 5g
1: oh that's great that's great and uh Mm -hmm. now when you use the word 5g it's you know kind of very chaotic situation. Now, even I recently bought a new phone and I was thinking, should I really invest in a 5G phone or not? And then later I decided, I called up a few friends of mine who were working in the, uh, the space and uh, I said, is 5G really coming in two years? They said, no, don't worry. I, I th- Then I bought uh, another phone which doesn't has a 5G enabled thing. So why, why do you think 5G is really uh, required for uh, IoT? Uh, I mean what exactly is it going to shift with uh, 5G?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, uh, there's an episode in my podcast a a couple of months ago with um, Rob Tiffany, which is the VP of Strategy for Ericsson. And we're good friends, so we we have a really uh, funny conversation there exactly about this, right? And so I think the key is to think about going back to the initial conversation we had about, how hard it is to understand all technology, but you don't have to really understand it, right? This is a perfect example. What is the key value that 5G brings to the table? Well, it is cellular connectivity. Hmm. It is about 10 times faster than 4G and it has very little latency and it has more capacity, meaning you can have more connected devices on the same cell tower. Hmm. There are others, but those are the, the core things, right? Is that important? I don't know. What problem are you trying to solve? And so that's where if you, for example, plug 5G into my framework and say, let's analyze our product, substituting the communications portion of the stack with 5G, then you can say, okay, what's the impact to my users? What's the impact to my data? So I will be able to transfer more data, but then I have to process more data. Do I need more data? What value... Will I be able to provide for my customer if I had more data? Well, maybe the the throughput is not a big deal. Okay, maybe I am doing a product that is um, uh, autonomous vehicles. Hmm. Well, the latency is very important. Okay, so that that feature is important for us. Okay, so let's continue expanding and talking about what about the cost of development? What about the cost of deployment? What about the ecosystem of the visors, what about partners, what about the legal implications, et cetera. Mm. But, and so when people ask me how 5G is going to impact the world, one of the, the things that um, Rob and I talk in my podcast is one of the key things that people don't talk enough about is the capacity. Because today we say, we want to have everything in the world connected. Yeah, there is no bandwidth in the networks to do that, period. Mm. Okay. With 5G, because the capacity grows exponentially, then now this idea of having more things connected is possible. Now, is it a good idea? Is it realistic? Is it viable as a business? That's for our future product leaders like yourself to tell us. So I think the important thing is to understand 5G is just another tool that product leaders now have at our disposal can i use it to generate more value to my customer and to my company that's the only thing that matters right?
1: yeah that's that's very well put and also you know just adding to that point whenever people ask me you know also for, for that matter i if iot is really required i the way i answer is you know uh, you know we have built this another dimension in the world which is a virtual dimension like you know i know daniel elizalde today because i have my tools uh, which I use for podcasting or what so I have this virtual tool through which I can connect to the whole world like LinkedIn all these things but essentially they are you know a small doorway it's either our phone or a laptop and that's a very narrow doorway but when you enable IoT to all the dumb things around you like your mobile phone your wallet your uh, lights and all these things then it's Basically opens up the whole; uh, it broadens the whole uh, pathway, and you know you can have uh, more uh, virtual interaction with the whole world. Uh, mm-hmm. Is
0: that does that make sense? It does. I think I think that is one of the the premises of IoT. I think the trap with that, and, and we've seen that hasn't been realized for years, is that um, for what purpose and who's going to pay for it? Right. Mm-hmm. And so as an idea, yes, it could be, but when when you are in a in a boardroom trying to, to pitch a new idea and getting funding. Um, then you have to have clarity on like which specific problems you're going to solve. I one time worked with a, um, a startup that had some incredible technology. Um, and they couldn't figure out where to use this technology. Mm-hmm. And so they, they couldn't figure out a niche that says, you know, this, this technology can be applied here and it can provide value. Where they thought it can be applied, people in that niche were not interested. And so they ended up closing down the company. Uh, this, the chief product officer bought the technology, created his own company, and now he repurposed the technology for something else. And now that company is doing great. Oh. But, but it's that idea that the fact that we can connect things. Yeah, that's great. But, but why? And I think that is very important for companies to think about because. Building IoT solutions, connecting things to the internet, and, and getting value—it's time-intensive, it's very expensive, and it's very—it's technically hard. And so, you better have a good case of value and uh, visibility towards profitability. Because if you just do it as an experiment, and you go ahead and build these kind of things, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because it's very expensive and it's very hard, right? And and of course. Vendors will tell you, no, oh, it's a, it's, it's super easy and it's fast and you can connect things. Yeah, for a prototype. But I'm telling you, I've been building these solutions for a long time and it's, it's not easy. So if you start with a true problem that needs solving and people are willing to pay for that problem and then you can solve it through IoT, that's fantastic. That is the only way, actually. Wow. Yeah, actually, I had one
1: last question for you today, but uh, with your explanation, I got one more uh, question in my mind, and of course, I of want your, you know genuine feedback, uh, genuine advice on this because I struggle a lot with this question, and my colleagues at mm-hmm. office we keep uh, you know arguing on this topic. The question is, uh, you know, do we really need IoT platforms? Like, you know, I'll name them. Uh, thing or uh, you know any other platforms for that matter the the beauty of those products are they you know they reduce drastically the time to market but also mm-hmm. the uh, you know the kind of rigidness it those platforms bring in is that you know you can't have more flexibility in the kind of uh, product development or those things so what is your take on this do we have to build everything from scratch or we can use these products
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great question, and, and and I'm really glad you're asking that. Um, I am a big proponent of using off-the-shelf tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, platforms are very important. And I think teams should use off-the-shelf products, including platforms, as much as possible until it's not um, economically viable to do so. Because sometimes what the argument that I hear for, let's say, platforms, they're too expensive or they're too rigid but the reality is that um, until you have a product that has traction in the market and it's going to the scale portion, hmm. you don't really need to invest your own valuable engineering time in reproducing something that you can just get for $5 a month with one of the platform, making it up, right? For cheap with one of the established platforms. I have had the opportunity to, work with some of these companies and interview a lot of the leaders of these companies. And I know that they have invested billions, billions of dollars in building the platforms the way they are. So I've also worked with companies that say, you know what, we should build this ourselves because it's not flexible enough because this is... And they spend a hundred millions million on the platform alone. They run out of money and they're not even close to the problem that they were really trying to solve. So if you focus on the real problem that you're trying to solve, which is your customer's problem, and you use national instruments hardware, and you use, um you know, an iPhone inside a case so that you can get network connectivity, and you use ThingWorks platform, and you focus on solving the problem, then you'll get more traction. And as you start growing, you can start doing a phase, not even two, three or four of optimization and say... Where can we get more margins? Okay, if we, instead of using National Instruments Hardware, we use Raspberry Pis, we'll save this much. Okay, that's where we're going to spend our money. If we, instead of using Azure, the cloud platform, I don't even recommend trying it because it's just too hard, right? Like early on when you're developing a product, there's no time to start thinking about doing things from scratch, right? Companies like GE, like huge companies, have tried and failed. Mm. So the game in IoT is partnership, and it's leveraging these different components so that you can focus on what you really do well.
1: Right. Mm. That really gives a perspective now.
0: I I actually uh I uh knew the the uh, no the the head of product for one of the more prominent uh, platforms, and. Um, it was funny in conversations with him. He always used to say, "Friends don't let friends build platforms." Right? <laughs> it's like it's it's just it's just like a sinking pit of money, and it's like Microsoft, Amazon, uh, you know, ThinkWorks. They they've done a good job. They're fantastic products, and and there are some other startups. Like I have a couple of interviews in my podcast with Clearblade, for example. Their their technology is amazing. Um, use that right and once you get into scale and you have millions and millions of people using your products maybe you can think of of repurposing or use that engineering money to do something else right
1: yeah that's that's for sure that now gives me a lot of perspective about how to approach a product exactly uh now the last question for the day is you know uh this is more of a uh, you know uh, from an India standpoint because uh, a lot of graduates here, especially from engineering background, once they come out of engineering, be they from you know different verticals, they they might be from mechanical engineering or electronics or software. They once they come out, they start looking for jobs, and you know it's it's happening that you know a lot of mechanical engineers engineers getting into software and all this. things. Now, mm-hmm. for all these people, if they want to get into IoT. Where do they start? And do you really think, uh, is there a space for all the other people to get into IoT?
0: Yeah, I I think there is a a place for everybody to get into IoT because I believe that uh, the word IoT, the term IoT is gonna go away, right? Because um, as we continue advancing with technology, more and more things are gonna be connected and it's going to become the new natural. In fact, in some of my classes, I tend to say that connected products is going to be the natural way we build products. Uh, the example I give is, you know, in 2007, when the iPhone came out, um, I remember that in my company, we were trying to figure out how do we do this and how do we code for a phone and what does a small screen do to the experience, etc. right? And then with time, there were mobile developers and mobile product managers. And now you don't emphasize that much. It's like mobile, yeah, that's just part of any product. Any digital product needs to have a mobile component. That's just how it is. Um, and I do believe that with IoT, more and more products are going to be connected. And it's just like, there. That's, that's how we build technology today, right? So I think it's going to continue to go into that direction. The key, I think, is not necessarily to think about IOT per se, but think about a problem space that you're passionate about and then how can you apply IOT to that space? I give you an example for myself. I uh, am very passionate about uh, fighting the climate change crisis, hmm. particularly in energy. And I know it just happens to be that a lot of the challenges in energy of moving away from fossil fuels. Uh, in terms of adding renewable uh, energy like solar and wind and stability of the grid, all those things need this interaction between the physical world and the virtual world. So basically all of those products are IoT products. Mm. Um, I am an advisor at uh, Clean Tech Accelerators and all these startups over there, they don't say the name, but they are IoT companies. Mm. And so I think it's more important to say, are you interested in... Mobility. Are you interested in agriculture? Are you interested in healthcare? Okay. Well, what type of problems do they have that they require a link with the physical and virtual world? Mm. And just learn about that space, and naturally, it will evolve into IoT, as opposed to starting with IoT and then saying, "I have a toy. Where can I play with my toy?" Yeah. That's
1: that sounds like you know I want a sofa, and uh, you know. I I, you know, I want to build that sofa, but rather I'm thinking I'm a wrench expert, I'm a hammer expert, or something like that. And you know, the end goal should be you know you want to build that table or a sofa, and uh, you know, just figure out what tools you can use for that. That's very well put. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot for that, Daniel. And uh, that uh, brings me to the end of this podcast. Uh, thanks a lot for being here. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you because. Uh, you know, I've been following you since a long time and I still remember the day you uh, followed back on my Bell, Bell Coyote uh, Twitter handle and I DM'd you, but you, you know, uh, maybe you missed that message. Then I really uh, reached out to you on LinkedIn and I fortunately have you today on my podcast. It's, you know, it's a day, uh, in a, it's a kind of dream come true for me to talk to you. Thanks a lot for being here and uh, I wish to have you once again on my podcast.
0: Thank you, Sai, for the opportunity and for your kind words. It's really flattering to be here and to share my experience. You're doing fantastic work. I am excited to see where you take this and let's keep in touch. I, I look forward to seeing your success. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.
1: Have a great day, Ed. All right. That brings us to the end of another interesting podcast episode. I really hope you liked it. If you did like this, please let me know by hitting that follow or subscribe button where you're getting this podcast from because that keeps motivating me when you get value out of it also by hitting that follow or subscribe it makes sure that you never miss my another podcast episode whenever i drop it every week so make sure you hit that and also you can follow me on my all my social media handles uh, instagram twitter and linkedin so i link them down in the show notes and also uh, daniel's podcasts and blogs. I'll link them down in the show notes. Please do make sure you check them out. They are really worthy content out there around IoT again. With that, I'll take a leave and until next time, keep doing awesome as always.